Hello, listeners. As an enhancement to your listening experience, I am now going to present these archive episodes unedited in their entirety, which includes all of my afterthoughts. So, continue listening after the outro music if you want to hear what I thought of the episode. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please support it by going to the homepage spacerockethistory.com and clicking on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. And now I can also accept Zelle and Venmo. Just use my email address, spacerockethistory at gmail.com. Thanks. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Godspeed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Okay, I'm out. How does it feel for the United States to be the new record holder? At last, huh? When that baby light, there's no doubt about it. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man. Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis, and you're listening to episode 244 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Apollo 12, Lunar Orbit. At 83 hours mission elapsed time, the long lunar coast was almost over. It was time for the lunar orbit insertion burn. This burn would put Yankee Clipper and Intrepid into a lunar orbit. As usual, the burn would occur on the far side of the moon. Here are some audio highlights as the astronauts and mission control prepared for LOI number one. This is Apollo Control at 82 hours 54 minutes. We're now 18 minutes from loss of signal as the spacecraft goes behind the moon. The uh, loss of signal is scheduled to occur at 83 hours, 11 minutes, 46 seconds. If the burn is performed as scheduled, we'll reacquire the signal at 83 hours, 43 minutes, 57 seconds. Uh, Without the lunar orbit insertion burn, we would acquire the spacecraft at 83 hours, 36 minutes, 36 seconds. Apollo 12 now... 1,297 nautical miles from the moon's surface. Velocity is up to 6,050 feet per second. A short while ago, the crew placed their spacecraft computer in the proper program for performing the surface propulsion system burn to put them into lunar orbit. All that remains at this point is to roll into the final burn attitude to check that attitude by sighting on a star through the spacecraft sextant. Our guidance officer has just advised that the spacecraft is in the proper burn attitude. Houston 12. Go 12. Roger, six. Start check, okay. Roger, thank you. Hello 12, Houston, your go for LOI. Roger, Houston, go for LOI. Burn checklist is complete to minus six minutes, and we're holding a dead point. Right. On the other side. 
Okay, Pete, we'll see you at uh, 4357. Roger, roger. This is Apollo Control at 83 hours, 8 minutes. We're coming up now on 3 minutes, 50 seconds until loss of signal as Apollo 12 goes behind the moon in preparation for inserting the spacecraft into lunar orbit. We'll continue to stand by for any parting remarks from the crew before we lose contact with them. Uh, we should be out of contact for about 32 minutes, 11 seconds, uh, assuming the burn is performed as scheduled. Uh, without performing the lunar orbit insertion maneuver, we would reacquire the spacecraft about 24 minutes, 50 seconds after loss of signal. And uh, the spacecraft, without performing that maneuver, maneuver would pass uh, within about 65 miles of the moon's surface at its closest point. Apollo 12, 624 nautical miles from the moon's surface, traveling at 6,900 feet per second. Hello, 12, Houston, two minutes to LOS. Be seeing you shortly. Roger, Houston. We're coming up now on 30 seconds until loss of signal. All the flight controllers here in Mission Control getting one last look at their data before the spacecraft goes behind the moon. All systems looking very good prior to this lunar orbit insertion maneuver. And our network controller reports we've had loss of signal right on schedule. We should reacquire Apollo 12 in about 32 minutes. Without the burn, the reacquisition time would be 24 minutes, 40 seconds from now. At uh, last look, just before we lost data, the spacecraft was an out, at an altitude of 471.9 nautical miles, velocity at 7,188 feet per second. At 83 hours, 13 minutes into the flight of Apollo 12, this is Mission Control, Houston. On the far side of the moon, the lunar orbit insertion burn number one began on schedule, 83 hours, 25 minutes, 23 seconds, mission elapsed time. The burn stopped six seconds early, but that was enough to put Apollo 12 in the planned lunar orbit. This is Apollo Control at 83 hours, 43 minutes. We're coming up now on one minute until reacquiring Apollo 12. At the time of acquisition, the spacecraft should be in an orbit of 62 by 169.3 nautical miles. We're now 45 seconds from reacquisition. Uh, the lunar orbit insertion burn, a five-minute, 58-second burn of the spacecraft service propulsion system engine. Uh, the total velocity reduction from that maneuver was targeted for 2,889 feet per second. We now show 15 seconds until acquisition. We'll stand by for first communications from the spacecraft. Our network controller reports that we have acquisition of signal at this time. Apollo 12, Houston. Hello, Houston. Yankee Clipper with Intrepid in tow has arrived on time. Are you ready for the burn status report? That's affirmative. Go ahead, Clipper. Okay, the burn was on time. The burn time was 5 plus 5, 2. The residuals were minus 0.1, plus 0.1, plus 0.1. Delta VC was plus 1.0.
the fuel, 3.8 decimal 4, the oxidizer, 3.8 decimal 7, the unbalance was increased, 80 pounds, over. Roger, 12, copy. Computer says we're in a 170 by 61.8. Roger, 12. I guess like everybody else that just arrived, or all three of us are plastered to the windows looking. Roger, understand. Yeah, for the Navy troops, it doesn't look like a very good place to pull Liberty, though. Okay, we give you an okay three wire on that one. Very good. I hope we can say the same thing tomorrow. Save those for tomorrow. Okay, here's to Apollo 12. Go 12. That was an excellent long-range rifle shot you guys gave us. Guards, understand. We'll pass it on. Pete Conrad's post-burn report indicates the maneuver was almost precisely as planned. The residuals, which are an indication of burn error, were minus 0.1, plus 0.1, and plus 0.1 which indicates the burn was nearly perfect. The onboard indication, as you heard, was that the orbit was 170 by 61.8, and we're working on a confirmation of that orbit here in mission control at this time. A couple orbits later, on the far side of the moon, the crew began to anticipate the landing. Pete Conrad was anxious, and he wasn't trying to hide it from his friends. Reading from the flight transcript, Conrad said, 24 hours from now, Beano, we're on our way down, pal. That's when I get nervous. Find that little mother and I'll land it right side up. But right now, as Conrad and his crew settled in their first day in lunar orbit, the atmosphere inside Yankee Clipper belied Conrad's tension. In the background, Frank Sinatra crooned The Girl from Ipanema on the tape recorder. The conversation was decidedly relaxed, unlike the sparse exchanges of Neil Armstrong and his crew. It was the banter of three friends on vacation together in the wilderness. Reading from the transcript, Bean said, If they made up a Hollywood movie just like this, you wouldn't believe it. Conrad, what do you mean? Bean, listening to this music on the back side of the moon. Gordon, you got something against music? Conrad, no, I'm just saying that. Bean, nobody would buy it. This is corny cornball. You gotta be hard out there. Conrad, say, the biggest thing I missed on Jiminy 5 was not having music. Every once in a while, they'd pipe some up over the high frequency, but our old nickel-and-dime tape recorder there, I'd have given my right arm for it. End quote. For Apollo 12, he had brought along some of his favorite tunes, mostly country-western songs, like Bob Willis and the Texas Playboys version of San Antonio Rose. After the mission, Conrad would emphatically say in the debriefing, 
People have got to have some entertainment on these flights. You can't just look out the window. But now, on Apollo 12, Conrad was happy with the way things were going. Since the lightning strike, they hadn't had a single problem worth mentioning. That was the best way to start a flight. Get all the trouble out of the way early. And unlike Jiminy, the command module had warm water for rehydrating the food and coffee. There was toothpaste and shaving. By now, Conrad was looking forward to getting cleaned up. Reading again from the transcript, Conrad said, Hey, I'm going to take a bath tonight. Take a bath, shave, get all cleaned up, good night's sleep. Bean, you got anything else to do tomorrow? All right, that's what we'll do then. We'll go for a little lunar landing. How's that? Unless you got something better in mind. A little surfing at the beach or something. Gordon joined in. How about that backside sand? Go play in the sand on the backside. Conrad. Yeah, Conrad laughed. Let's take the lunar module down and land on the backside. Wouldn't that shake him up? End quote. But behind the playful banter, Conrad was ever mindful of what was coming up. No doubt about it, the stakes had changed with this mission. Just getting the lunar module down in one piece was not good enough. The real test was finding Surveyor 3. According to the scientists, the surveyor was sitting on the slopes of a worn old crater 656 feet across. Immediately around it were several other craters, a bit smaller and sharper. It was this clump of craters that Pete Conrad would have to locate among the thousands of other craters when his lunar module pitched over for its descent to the moon. Seen from the east, the view Conrad would have during his approach, the craters looked like the outline of a snowman, with the surveyor sitting in the pit of its fat belly. He simply named it the Surveyor Crater. Conrad named the other craters appropriately, head, left foot, right foot. On the photographs, there appeared to be a fairly smooth area on the near right side of the Surveyor Crater, and that was where Conrad would try to land. If that place, which became known as Pete's Parking Lot, turned out to not be suitable, or if Conrad couldn't get to it, he must try to land close enough to the probe for he and Bean to reach it on foot without difficulty. Before the flight, Chris Kraft had told Conrad not to stress the surveyor when he talked to the press. Otherwise, if he landed off target, the press would say the mission had failed, even if he and Bean accomplished all the other objectives. But to Conrad, the bottom line was that if he and Bean didn't find Surveyor 3, all their planning would be for naught. The geologic traverse was designed around the various craters of the snowman, and the future exploration of the moon depended on the pinpoint landing capability. It was up to Mission Control to put the lunar module on target, and it was up to Conrad to land it. 
This is Apollo Control Houston. Uh, we're now at uh, 87 hours, uh, 44 minutes into the flight. Uh, we're less than five minutes away from our scheduled time of ignition for lunar orbit insertion uh, burn number two. This burn designed to uh, lower our apaloon and uh, bring us to an orbit of 66 nautical miles by 54 nautical miles. The burn is scheduled for some 16 or 17 seconds in duration. We're presently passing uh, around the far side of the moon. Uh, we uh, are scheduled uh, to reacquire the spacecraft in 16 minutes. On the far side of the moon, Apollo 12 initiated its second lunar orbit insertion burn at 87 hours, 48 minutes, 48 seconds mission elapsed time. The purpose of this burn was to change the orbit to a more circular pattern instead of the elliptical orbit they were in now. The burn only lasted 17 seconds, but it served its purpose. This is Apollo Control Houston. We're about uh, 30 seconds away from uh, time of reacquisition of the uh, Apollo 12 spacecraft. We'll leave the line open at this time. Uh, Apollo 12 is now on its third revolution around the moon. Apollo Control, Houston, uh, we have data at this time. Hello, Apollo 12, Houston. Hello, Houston, Apollo 12, LOI 2, burn complete. The burn was on time. The burn time was 17 seconds. The residuals were plus 0 0.30 plus 0.1, delta VC was minus 4.4, fuel 35.4, oxidizer 35.9, increase 110. We're in a 66.3 by 54.7 according to us. Over to you. Roger, 12, we copy. And we have Bat B on the uh, charger at this time. Roger. You heard that report from uh, Pete Conrad aboard the spacecraft. 66.354.7. Uh, Al is photographing off the uh, target of opportunity chart here uh, in order. And we're trying to get as much of that stuff done as we can. Roger, 12. LOI-2 has been completed uh, almost exactly as advertised. Moving ahead now to 101 hours mission elapsed time. Lunar landing day. This is Apollo Control at 100 hours 41 minutes. We have a little more than 22 minutes now before loss of signal with the spacecraft. A few minutes prior to LOS, if we have not heard from the crew, we plan to uh, wake them up. Uh, the crew will then uh, have breakfast. The uh, owner module pilot and commander, uh, Al, Al Bean and uh, Pete Conrad, will begin putting on their pressure garments. And about the middle of the 11th revolution, uh, they're scheduled to enter the uh, LEM, begin powering up and checking out in preparation for the lunar landing. All spacecraft systems have continued to function normally during the uh, eight-hour sleep period. Uh, 
several hours ago, Al Bean came on the line to advise that uh, he had a bit of nasal congestion, uh, congestion in the head, and uh, planned to, or had taken a uh, decongestant tablet, and planned to continue taking them up to the uh, beginning of the powered descent. Uh, Bean also checked on propellant consumption, uh, RCS propellant consumption at that time. He reported that he had noted uh, regular firing of the RCS thrusters and wanted to check to see that everything was normal. We advised him that uh, it was, that the thrusters were firing about as often as we would expect and the propellant consumption was about nominal. This is, a, this is Apollo Control at 100 hours, 54 minutes. Uh, Capcom Don Lind is preparing to put in a call to the crew shortly. Uh, we'll stand by for that. Apollo 12, Houston, good morning. Apollo 12, Houston, good morning. Apollo 12, Apollo 12, this is Houston, over. Apollo 12, Apollo 12, Houston, good morning. Apollo 12, Apollo 12, this is Houston, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Houston, this is 12. Good morning, gentlemen. Today's the big day. Hit the deck. Right here. We've been there for a while. Very good. We've got a couple of items for you when you get your eyes uh, wide open. As the crew woke up on lunar landing day, excitement was running high. Conrad said he was about as jumpy as he could be. For Alan Bean, the anticipation was over. Now it was time for him to do the thing he had been trained for all those months. Stick to the checklist, be steady, don't throw the wrong switch, and the big day had finally come. Neil Armstrong had never said a word about anxiety, but Pete Conrad was not Armstrong. Reading from the transcript, Conrad said, I just hope we can find the old snowman. Then I hope we can find a place to land. Then I hope I can set it down all right. It's driving me buggy. I just don't know what I'm going to see when I pitch over. You know, I'm either going to say, Ah, there it is. Or I'm going to say, Freeze it. I don't recognize nothing. Then I'm in deep yogurt. Then, if I don't recognize anything... I'm just going to let it go. That's the best I can do. Bean. If you don't recognize a thing, just tell me. I'll look out my side, and you look at the computer for a few seconds, and let me see if I see anything out there. End quote. Below them, the sun cast long shadows over a battlefield of craters. The near side of the moon didn't impress Pete Conrad, but the far side with its enormous bumps and hollows that did amaze him. He looked down at what seemed to be a string of small volcanoes. That's fantastic, he exclaimed to Bean. Then he thought for a moment about where they were.
and he said quietly, How'd we ever get here anyway? And he and Bean laughed. Moving ahead again to 107 hours mission elapsed time. At orbital altitude, the moon was nothing but craters and pockmarks, but Surveyor was down there somewhere. Pete wondered, looking at that very unfriendly landing zone down there, how the thing had even set down without crashing. He also wondered how he would. All the power-up and pre-flight were done aboard Intrepid, the spidery-looking lunar module. Looking at it stuck on the nose of the command module, you wouldn't think that the gangly, wingless, foil-wrapped lunar module would even hold together, much less fly. But the design proved itself on Apollo 11. Although it was a brick with legs, it did have rocket motors to slow them down and launch them out and thrusters to give the pilot just enough power and maneuverability to steer away from the side of a crater or a boulder field. NASA had eliminated seats in the lunar module, so the two-man crews stood side by side. As an engineer, Conrad was instrumental in this design change as it improved human performance especially in a straight descent. The lunar module was essentially designed to drop to the surface as gently as possible, sit for 31 hours, and provide life support for Pete and Albine until they blasted right back up to Gordon and the command module. There was a thought they trained themselves not to think, but they knew it, especially here and now. There was only one way for this to go right and a thousand ways for it to go wrong, and almost all of them would mean Dick Gordon was flying home alone, and Pete and Al would stay behind, shining down on their friends and family, affecting the tides on this blue planet for the rest of time. They didn't think about it, but they knew it. Al was in the lunar module and situated, already flipping switches. Pete crawled through the hatch for the last time and looked up at his old buddy, Gordon, grinning down at him like a possum. Gordon said, quote, Let's go over it again, Pete. The gas is on the right, the brake is on the left. End quote. Pete only smiled. He was speechless for once. There was a split second when Pete's eyes met Gordon's eyes in one of those looks that can only be given and received by one who slogged through that same swamp with you, the same government agency political crap, the daily near-death experiences, right alongside you to get right here, this place. Pete knew there had been the same quiet moment back on the ground when Deke Slayton and Gene Krantz and maybe Chris Kraft too had pulled Gordon aside, just like they had done with him on a Gemini 11, and reminded him, in so many words, that if something were to go wrong down there on the surface, something that would keep that little spidery ship from making it back to lunar orbit to meet up with him, there was nothing he could do. He would have to point his nose toward home, fire that engine, and leave his friends behind. The look they shared over the surface of the moon, all one second of it, was the same as when Gordon 
stepped out of the Jiminy for his spacewalk three years earlier. It had always amazed Alan Bean that in all the time they had spent training together, Dick Gordon had never once showed disappointment that he had to be feeling every time he heard Bean introduced as the guy who was going to the moon with Pete Conrad. There was never a trace of sarcasm with Gordon, never an ironic remark. He had done everything to make Bean feel welcome on the crew. Bean knew that if the situation had been reversed, he could not have handled it as well. Now, Gordon was suspended at the end of the docking tunnel between Yankee Clipper and Intrepid, looking down at Conrad and Bean. It was a moment for goodbyes, and yet none were said. I guess I've got to close the hatch now, Gordon said. And he looked at his two friends for a moment, and then sealed the tunnel. Bean wondered whether he would ever see Gordon again. Minutes later, Gordon flipped the switch to release them, and for a few minutes, Yankee Clipper and Intrepid flew in formation while Gordon took pictures. Then, as Conrad and Bean watched, Gordon pulled away. Salutations from Southern Alabama. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I wanted to say thanks for listening to episode number 244 of the Space Rocket History Podcast entitled Apollo 12 Lunar Orbit. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to bring it to you. I want to give a big shout out to all my longtime listeners. Thanks for staying subscribed and extend a warm welcome to my new listeners. I'm glad you're here. In case you haven't heard, I have created an archive podcast that currently contains the first 48 episodes of the podcast. It's called the Space Rocket History Archive Podcast. The archive was created because iTunes kept rejecting my original feed because there were so many episodes. The feed became too big. What this means is that the first 48 episodes are once again available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and all your favorite podcatchers. My server plan allows me to add 100 megabytes worth of episodes per month, and I max that out every month. There will be more episodes available in March, and the goal is to get the archive caught up with the main feed so all episodes will be available on RSS feeds. Until that happens, keep in mind all episodes are available at the homepage spacerockethistory.com. Today, we salute the Vostok level donors. There are 42 so far this year. Vostok donors contribute $10 or more during the calendar year. Thanks for your continued support, Vostok donors. Had several afterthoughts about this week's episode. Once again, there was not much information for the lunar orbit insertion burn and the circularization burn or lunar orbit insertion burn number two. So what I gave you was pretty much from the Apollo 12 flight journal. I would have loved to have had the audio for those 
conversations the astronauts had on the far side of the moon. They were really interesting to me. Unfortunately, I couldn't find it anywhere, so I used transcripts and I tried to present it as best I could, but it would have been nice to have them really speaking it, but that's what we had. From a very rocky start, things have progressed nicely with no problems worth mentioning. Remember those burns on the far side of the moon? In the transcripts, you can see that they talked about having a very hot engine on the service module, and they attributed that to it shutting down six seconds early. The astronauts even speculated that they might get a faster return trip to Earth because of that hot engine. Reading through all the transcripts, you can really tell that this crew genuinely liked each other and got along well. It was not like Apollo 11 where the crew was very professional most of the time. With Apollo 12, the crew was clearly having fun. And Conrad was not ashamed to admit when he was getting nervous about the landing. It's all in the transcripts. Okay, I have posted some pictures and the audio for this episode on my homepage, spacerockethistory.com. I hope you check that out. I was pleased to receive seven new donations to support the podcast over the past week. David N. donated at the shuttle level and earned his moon emoji. Todd B. from France donated at the Apollo level. Michael M. donated at the Soyuz level. Tobias M. from Denmark donated at the Mercury level. Carrie C. donated at the Sputnik level. Greg B. increased his pledge on Patreon to the Apollo level with rocket, moon, and satellite emojis. Christian R. pledged on Patreon at the Vostok level. Our Patreon donors are now at 158. That's the highest they've been this year, with a goal of reaching 218 for 2018. And our overall donors have reached 193, with a goal of reaching 418 in 2018. For those of you who are enjoying the content provided here and have not donated yet in 2018, Please consider supporting the podcast if you are financially able. Keep in mind, Space Rocket History is entirely listener-funded, and I depend upon your financial support to keep the podcast going. To support the podcast, go to the homepage, spacerockethistory.com, click on the orange Donate button to make a one-time donation, or the Patreon link to make a monthly donation. For those of you who have already donated for 2018, I certainly appreciate it. I have an item to give away this week. It is the official Space Rocket History logo vinyl refrigerator magnet. It has the picture of the official SRH logo with the rockets. To select the winner, I gave every 2018 donor a number. I put the range in Google's random number generator and got the number for David Butler. David Butler, if you would email me, mike at spacerockethistory.com, and tell me your address. I will mail this out to you. Okay, folks, that's about all I have for this week. Hope to have episode 245 posted by next Thursday. So long for now.